it is 79 AD, this is the HBC, the Historical Broadcasting Corporation. Good morning from the HBC News Desk. Our top story comes from Pompeii, a city in the Roman Empire. Geologists have reportedly been studying the nearby Mount Vesuvius and issued a warning to Pompeii's citizens about an imminent danger. According to a new scientific report, the volcano could erupt at any moment. If it were to erupt, consequences could include a deadly gas cloud rising to 21 miles in the air, molten rock and ash shooting down from the heavens, and a total thermal energy output 100,000 times that of the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. HBC sent a team to Pompeii to ask the citizens what they think about the supposed danger. Let's go live to our reporter on the ground right now. Um, someone get HR on the line, please. Yeah, that's, um, that's not good. We now turn to a special report emerging from mid-14th century Europe. The bubonic plague, known to many as the Black Death, is sweeping across the continent. From Constantinople to Kilkenny, record numbers of infections are being reported with no end in sight. We went on the ground to a neighborhood plague testing center, which has been overwhelmed by protesters demanding that it shuts down. Hello, excuse me, um, but can I ask, what is it that you are protesting? Why, well, I'm protesting the plague. The plague? As in, you want it to be over? Over? It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as the Black Death. Open your eyes. It's all a hoax. But people are dying across Europe. It's already killed nearly a third of the population. Well, I don't see nothing. But you literally can see it. Uh, Giant black spores appear on the skin that burst. It's extremely painful. Those are just bruises. Why remember when men were men? Everyone's too soft these days. Excuse me, sir. I understand that you don't believe that the plague is real either. It ain't. It's just a hoax so the king can expand the power of government. So you believe that his majesty made all this up as some sort of excuse? Yes, sir. Why, just last week, the town crier announced that the slaughterhouses can't be placed next to the communal drinking well. I mean, where does it end? Am I not going to be able to pour my number two bucket out my window onto the street? Why, that's a right protected in the Magna Carta. Uh, I don't know about that one, sir. Uh, ma'am, ma'am, um, thank you for stepping away from berating the testing volunteers to meet with me. Can I ask you, uh, do you believe that the plague is real? Oh, it's real, all right. Oh, th- that's surprising. If you believe that it's real, then I wouldn't expect you to be protesting. But it was engineered in a lab by some alchemists in China. Okay, um, you mean Mongolian China, part of Genghis Khan's descendants' empire? Yep, that's it. Them alchemists must have teamed up with the witches and the devil to make this plague. It's the end of days, I say! Sir, I understand that you're blaming the media for all of this? Indeed. Yesterday, I was in Canterbury, and a herald from London arrived reporting that this so-called Black Death has killed thousands more people. Logically, you can't trust the London Herald and its woke agenda. Let's say, hypothetically, thousands of people did die. Well, why don't the other people just move into their village and tick up their fields? 
There are still thousands of other people in the world, so what's the problem? Logically, there is nothing to worry about. Using simple logic, people could just hypothetically, logically, hypothetically move away from the plague. Checkmate. Uh, none of that makes any sense. <sighs> Alright, um, hello sir, can I ask you why you're protesting today? Oh, it's, it's clear people don't understand the plague and how dangerous it is. Oh, I, I think I might actually agree with you. Yep, thankfully this bubonic plague only affects women. It only affects... Wait, wait, why do you say that? Well, it's got the word boob in it, don't it? Only women have boobs. Well, actually, only women have boobs. Alright, well, um, that about wraps it up. Thank you for your time. In sports news, college football fans are buzzing with excitement. In addition to the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl, the playoff committee has decided to add a fourth bowl game for the 1935 season, the Dust Bowl. The HBC has secured exclusive broadcast rights for the biggest and driest game of the season. Let's turn to Chuck and Al, who are calling the game from the booth. Welcome everyone to the 1935 Dust Bowl. It's sure to be a thrilling matchup between the Salisaw Grapes of Wrath and the Hooverville Great Depressions. It's so dusty, Al, I can't see shit! And just like that, it sounds like the game has been cancelled. They're loading the wagons and moving out west. You gotta think that'll hurt both teams' chances of making the championship, Al. It sure does, Chuck. That'll be it for the HBC's exclusive coverage of the Dust Bowl. Stay tuned for more analysis and highlights on the Alphabet Soup post-game show, brought to you by the following New Deal agencies. The PWA, the AAA, the TVA, the CCC, the REA, the WPA, the FCA, the FSA, the FWA, the NIRA. I'm happy to say that this episode of the HBC is brought to you by Samuel Adams, the person who purchased an ad in this episode to let you know about a party coming to Boston that you won't want to miss. We're all tired of the Tea Act, right? Yes, it technically makes tea cheaper and more affordable here in the colonies, but at what cost? The tea is still taxed and we still lack representation. Worst of all, the East India Company is putting hard-working, salt-of-the-earth, middle-class American smuggler, I mean, merchants, out of business. That's why the Sons of Liberty are hosting a fancy costume party fundraiser on December 16th, 1773. Enjoy a magical evening at the beautiful Boston Harbor as you dance the night away to popular hits like Yankee Doodle. Anxious about finding the right outfit in time? Don't be. We'll supply the costumes so you don't need to worry. Please note that all guests must be able to lift heavy objects to attend. Podcast listeners can use the code NOTAXATION without representation for 17.76% off ticket price. Promo valid while supplies last, so hurry and save your spot. All proceeds go towards arms and supplies for Minutemen across Massachusetts who definitely will not be used against the British Army. So what are you waiting for? This Boston party is sure to be everyone's cup of tea. We all remember years ago when tragedy struck as the Great Chicago Fire ripped through the city in 1871. The blaze destroyed over three square miles and 17,000 buildings. 
Over 300 residents tragically lost their lives, with another 100,000 left homeless by the inferno. The fire originated in a predominantly Irish neighborhood southwest of downtown, leading to heavy speculation about the cause. Initial accusations were thrown at Catherine O'Leary, a poor immigrant living in the area. Mrs. O'Leary's cow supposedly kicked over a lantern in the barn that night, starting the fateful blaze. The O'Leary family has since fought these accusations, proclaiming their innocence. Now the cow itself has written and published a memoir titled, If I Did It, Confessions of the Kicker, which promises to be the tell-all tale that vindicates its family's name. Additionally, the cow has launched a libel suit against some of the newspapers that accused the O'Leary family of starting the fire. We now welcome Bernard C. Willingham, who represents Cow O'Leary in the case. Mr. Willingham, thank you for coming on the HBC. Thank you for having me on, Mitch. I wish I could be speaking with you under less serious circumstances. Let me begin by asking why does Cow O'Leary believe now is the time to publish this memoir? Does the libel suit have anything to do with it? Well, Mitch, everything was so sensationalized that my client believes it's time to cut the curd and get to the truth of how the fire really started that night. In this case, the truth really is black and white. Now, I've heard through the bovine that Cow's book claims to present new evidence that will prove its family's innocence. Can you highlight any of it? Absolutely. We now have proof that my client was spotted sleeping peacefully in the barn the night of the fire. So what are listeners to make of the claims that Cow kicked over the lantern? Look, those are utterly absurd accusations, and it's time to put the lies out to pasture. Chicago had experienced a drought all summer. The city was made almost entirely of wood, including the sidewalks. There had already been several small fires throughout the city that season, depleting the water supply. Not to mention, fires popped up across the Midwest that very same night. Is my client to be blamed for those as well? But what do you say to critics who point out that Cow O'Leary seems to be doing what everyone who has valuable evidence about major events does these days, in that they chose to withhold that vital information until they could write a book and publish it for millions of dollars, rather than present it in court or to the media? Some say that your client is milking it for all it's worth. Look, I have real beef with that narrative. My client seeks nothing more than to clear its family's name. That might be a tough ask. HBC skimmed a section of Americans in a poll and found that only 2% of the population believes Cow's claims. Well, Mitch, unfortunately, the media has whipped everything up so much that we're being creamed in the public image. But that doesn't change the fact that my client is innocent and looks forward to proving that to the American people in court and in the pages of their memoir. Sounds like Cow O'Leary and the rest of the family hopes that one day they can all move on from this. Was that a cow pun? You know that's highly offensive. Oh, I, um, I mean, I, I, I didn't... This is a serious legal case. I, I know, I mean, I, I, I understand that. I, I come onto your show and you mock my clients. No, I, I didn't mean to. I, not like that. I didn't, wasn't trying you to... You know how disrespectful that is. To make a cow pun after all that they've been through? I mean, right, but I, I thought that... <laughs> come on. That's it. All right, I'm never coming on the HBC again. This is incredibly unprofessional. No, 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 please, I'll wait. see you in court. Give me a break making a pun like that. <laughs> That will do it for us here at the HBC News Desk. Coming up next, don't miss the latest episode of HP Lovecraft Island. Watch as things get hot and heavy as horrifying deities from the depths of realms unknown compete in a beautiful island villa for the grand prize. 
Last week saw Cthulhu, tentacled cosmic being and manifestation of destruction, survive elimination by pairing up with Yogg-Sothoth, the omniscient, interdimensional being from outside the material realm. But things look to get steamy this week, as Adya, the colossal worm monster that dwells beneath the surface of Zoth, looks to get a slice of that sweet Cthulhu pie. Who will hook up with who? What friendships will be thrown under the bus as pairs go under the sheets? And what deity will devour the brains of its cult's followers? Find out next on HP Lovecraft Island. And that wraps up season one of the HBC. I hope you enjoyed the run and keep an eye out for any future seasons. Please give us a rating on this episode if you want, as it really does help. If you want to stay up to date with any future seasons or anything else, follow us on Instagram at Historical Broadcasting or on Twitter at History Lore. Or be sure to just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, and as always, have a great day.